Well, good afternoon, Lake Norman, and welcome to Town Talk. We're coming to you live from WSIC, the Real Talk Studio, nestled on the banks of beautiful North Carolina, streaming worldwide from Abbey Road, London, to Monk's Corner, South Carolina, home to a dear friend of mine we lost this weekend, Rainy Otto Ballantyne III. I'm your host, Bill Russell, President of Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce, the largest chamber of commerce in the Charlotte region. And today we're talking about the election from yesterday and the red line. My three guests today are Joel Olson. He's the CEO of O2 Group Ventures. Andy Yates, co-founder of Persuasion Perfected and Mayor Rusty Knox, the mayor of Davidson. But the first thing, the, the biggest thing to hit Lake Norman uh, across this country was the release of Now and Then. Bill, my producer, did you, did you listen to Now and Then when it came out on Thursday? You even know what no, I, I missed this. <laughs> I missed this. Now and then, the, the latest Beatles song. Oh, yes. No, I do know about this, but I have not listened to it yet. And the video? I have not. I'm, I'm late. Okay. I'm late. Joel, you're about my age. Were you a Beatles fan? Absolutely. I have not heard the song, but I heard about it. Okay. And Rusty, you're, you're, you're actually the musician in the group. What did you think? I've already played it and picked it out at home. So I've played it and sung it, and I like it. So the controversy is, uh, is it a real Beatles song? So you tell me. Is it a real Beatles song? I think it's artificial intelligence. <laughs> it's, it, it is a real Beatles song. Uh, it, it's... Uh, a little bittersweet, but it, it's uh, it, it's a good song. So I liked Andy. Did you hear it? I did. I I, I was impressed with what they've done. I mean, it it feels like the real deal. They say it's going to be the last one. It'll be interesting to see if they stick to that once they see how much money they make off of it. But uh, you know, it's pretty 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 cool that you're able to do that with technology and have the blend of people that are still with us involved and bring back in people that uh, the men's talent who are no longer here. So I, you know, somebody loves music. I think it's a uh, a cool, cool phenomenon, music technology, two things I'm passionate about. It's kind of cool to see it come together. It's a little scary, too. The artificial intelligence stuff scares me a little bit. But. You know, uh, if, if if Free as a Bird was was a Beatles song in the anthology, this certainly was. And, I mean, what they were able to do, and I love the video because it was sort of nostalgic. It was it was silly. But if you watch Yellow Submarine and all the other things that the Beatles did, they were all silly things. But uh, this was great. And the, and the way he brought in the strings with the, with the orchestra behind the music. Uh, and, and Ringo Starr is just, he is just a fantastic drummer. I've been watching a lot of streams on the, uh, the children of the Beatles and their successes. And they've been profiling R Ringo's son, uh, who's an active musician right now. And, and uh uh, it's really interesting. I, I, I tell you, I think if this thing proves successful, th the producers are going to find a footlocker full of unrecorded reel-to-reel oh, sure. tapes <laughs> yes. somewhere that they're going to come out as, as a box set before it's over with. Well, Beatles, and, and I'm sure that there are Stones and, and other groups that uh, you, you they probably discarded because they couldn't they didn't really think they could use it. But the way they, the AI was able to separate that piano from the voice was fantastic. Mayor, yesterday, uh, tough, tough election for you. Thank you. It was. It was a, <laughs> I, I did work the polls for about five and a half or six hours because, uh, and people thought I was crazy for being out there, but it matters. Yeah. And, and I did not take it for granted, even though I was running unopposed for the third time. Uh, I, I still, for me, it, it's all about being there and showing up. And, uh, so uh, I was glad I was there. I got to meet a lot of college students from Davidson College that were being shuttled over to vote, which I thought was really interesting to have such a, a, a thin 
ballot yesterday. Right. Yet the students were still engaged in voting, so it was good. Well, now, you still had a referendum item on the ballot. It we was did. pretty important. Do you want to talk about what that was? Well, so we we have had concerns, and, and this is not the first time this iteration has been presented, where we would look at staggered terms. Uh, so we, we would move to uh, four-year terms, and then... Uh, uh, there'd be a sequence where you would have three commissioners that were running for four-year terms, two commissioners that were running for two-year terms. And and what this... The, the, the proponents of this will tell you that this would keep uh, a, a better balance in the board because the last thing in Davidson, for example, we would want to have happen is a majority of... of elected board members who are pro-development get elected, and then all of a sudden uh, we we hit fast-forward on development in Davison and change what we've tried so hard to keep. Uh, I, I, I spoke from the dais. I will say this on the radio, too. I just, it, it was uh, imperative for me that the mayor's term stay two years. Uh, I don't vote, but I am the caregiver. I am the cheerleader. I'm the guy that builds the relationships. And if the mayor can't go out and do that effectively, he needs to be replaced every two years. Now, yours yours was passed 57 to 43, but the, the Cornelius went down 62 to 38 pretty hard. Um, when would this uh, take place, this four-year Well, terms? so this did not affect the, the election yesterday. So um, the, the next election, which will be 2025, will, will be when that takes effect. Uh, so, and, and, you know, the, the thing is, I mean, I've got a couple sitting commissioners that had said, had they been running for four year terms, they may or may not have filed. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the, the, the one negative that I see in this is that it, this is a commitment for time. It is. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's, there's, there's a lot of hours you put into doing this and I don't think people realize that until you hold an elected office, what's involved in the, the day to day uh, meetings and phone calls and and things like that, but to commit to four years versus two years right. is, is you know it, it's a heavier lift. Uh, the other news coming out of uh, yesterday was uh, late last night when we thought everything was over. The, there was some um, chatter that there were still a hundred uh, ballots out there that that hadn't been opened yet. Uh, these mailed in ballots and Andy, we would just talk about that. It's not actually a hundred. You want to speak to that? Before? Yeah. So it's um, Mayor Washington confirmed with the Board of Elections earlier today. Um, it's sixty-eight uh, mail-in ballots that were out in Cornelius when the polls closed last night. Four of those have come in by this afternoon. Uh, Board of Elections told him that you know, obviously state law says if it was postmarked yesterday, it arrives three business days later, which in this case, because Friday is your Veterans Day holiday, is Monday. So if it's postmarked by yesterday, arrives by Monday, they will be counted. They said they expect, based on the past president, that most of those ballots will never see. There's always a lot of ballots that don't get returned for various reasons. Um, so um, they don't expect to get a ton back in. But there are now four that have come in since the election, 64 sitting out there. You probably have somewhere between one and six provisional ballots. They can't, they can't tell you that at the county level because provisional ballots are a lot of times are people that voted out of precinct and that sort of thing. So they could have a provisional ballot in Pineville that's somebody that should have voted in Cornelius. So that, you know, that it's harder to tell with the provisionals. But uh, looking back at past history in Cornelius, there's never a lot of provisionals. Most I saw was 21. There were six. 
19, there was one provisional ballot. 17, so, there was so one are, provisional are ballot. Are these 68 countywide or four? These Cornelius? 68 or are four Cornelius. Okay. And uh, but most of them aren't expected to come back. And yesterday, the mail the mail-in vote went 22 for Mayor Washam, 20 for Commissioner Billadu. So it was a pretty even split. You would expect the mail-in ballots if that come in to pretty much fall along that lines. You know. The margin right now is a little over three tenths of a percentage point. It's within the within the margin to call for a recount, but historically in North Carolina, it's rare that something gets flipped in a recount. And when it does, the margin is usually less than 0.1 percent. So it, it looks like it will probably hold even with those things outstanding. We'll know next Thursday or Friday for sure. Well, when we're coming back, Andy, uh, we're going to now go to a break. But when we come back, I want to get into the specifics of the election in our town. So those of you who are on the radio, please come back to Town Talk on WSIC. One thing that... that, uh, Rusty, I was talking about when we when we started the show. Uh, I had a good friend of mine. I found out this weekend, uh, uh, Rainy Ballantyne from Monk's Corner. Y'all have heard me talk about the JCs, and mm-hmm. Rainy was a JC in Monk's Corner, uh, outstanding community servant. Uh, he was one of those when I was kind of coming up in the ranks. I later went on to be a national president, state president. But uh, when I was just a a, a young JC, and uh, you know, as a state. District director, Rini was a district director, and he was the one that was, you know, the number one in the state. He was really doing everything. And uh, you played baseball. You were in athletics. Yeah. Uh, did you, as a pitcher, you always had that one guy that you're going, gosh, I, I want to break his record. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know that I, I I had that one guy as far as breaking a record go, but, but uh, you know, I had uh, – I, I had a lot of heroes that I yeah. that I I had growing up that played college ball, and I was like, man, I I hope I get to you know one of them uh, was uh, married to one of my cousins, Buddy Caldwell. Oh yeah, Buddy, you know, who played, played ball down in Carolina, North yeah. Neck, and South Carolina, and played for uh, the Rangers for years. And uh, I always wanted to to follow in his footsteps, but never made it that far. Well, Rainey was uh, a Monk's Corner uh, JC. He was a local president down there, did a great job, mentored a lot of JCs in that lower part of the state. Um, but I know as mayor, there's always probably that, that one, whether they're a young person, but somebody in the community you can call on and you you know it's going to get done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that's, uh, you know, it, it, it's ironic because it, when I when I turn to people in town that, that it, it, it tends to be people that have history in town that may or may not have ever been involved civically in anything, but they've always been there. Mm-hmm. Whenever you turn around, that shadow is always there. And, and it's those kind of people that, that you look to, like the Hugh Bargers of the world, sure. and people like that, that are generational uh, residents of Davidson. And, and they've never done anything that pushed them to the forefront, but if you ever needed something, they've always been there. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, I, you know, I, I'm a big history buff for local history. So I, those, those people that know local lore and history are getting fewer and far between. So I, I glean everything I can. Well, for those of you streaming, uh, my, again, my, my thoughts and prayers uh, for the family, Rene Ballantown down in Monk's Corner and to all the Monk's Corner JCs, we're thinking about you. Uh, we're going back live in just a few seconds. Call now to speak with Lake Norman Chamber President Bill Russell at 844-STUDIO-4. It's Town Talk on WSIC. 
Welcome back to Town Talk. I'm Bill Russell, your host. I have Joel Olson. He is the CEO of O2 Group Ventures. Andy Yates, uh, per Persuasion Perfected, and Mayor Rusty Knox, Town of Davidson. And Andy, uh, last yesterday we had our election. It was overwhelming support of the Charlotte-Mecklenburg school bonds. Uh, Huntersville town bonds were, were pretty overwhelmingly approved as well. Uh, pretty much three to one uh, on those on those bonds. Uh, but breakdown, uh, we, we saw some things... Uh, happening in uh, Huntersville in terms of that election process and certainly here in Cornelius. Break it down for everybody. Yeah, well, I, you know, what happened in Huntersville? I mean, it was pretty apparent there's a decent chance it's going to happen when the first early voting came out, uh, just in terms of turnout. There was a huge blue wave in, in uh, Huntersville. Democrat Party was obviously very organized, pushed their vote out, and you know, brought in, a, it was going to be a new mayor either way, Democrat mayor, all new board, all six Democrats, not only that, the Democrat, uh, uh, Christy Clark, the mayor of Huntersville, the Democrat candidate, uh, nonpartisan race, but every very much partisan race, and that partisan was ship was injected in it. Everybody knew the candidates were probably the most we've seen partisanship injected in a town race in Lake Norman. But she won every precinct. The six Democrats, varying orders, finished one to six in every precinct. So it was very clearly this was not. In my opinion, Huntersville, I'm a Huntersville resident. I don't think it was about local issues. It wasn't about traffic growth. Not even that much about the candidates. It was about the fact that the Democrats were organized, motivated their voters. Some instances used national issues to motivate them, turned them out, and it paid off for them. And they uh, they were the one party that was organized. There were some candidates that won that ran good campaigns. There were some candidates that lost that ran good campaigns, but they were organized. You also, unfortunately, had a couple candidates that were on the Republican team and a couple of unaffiliated candidates who, in my opinion, really didn't run much campaign at all and probably distract, you know, probably took some votes that may have gone to some of those folks who are running a good campaign and, and hurt hurt kind of the other side. But really the big thing is it was a it was a big blue wave in uh, in Huntersville. And, you know, I'm I'm a Republican and I've got to tip my cap to the Mecklenburg County Party, Democrat Party for the way they organized up here, turned out their folks. I mean, the Jay Alexander precinct had Historic turnout. I mean, you, it's never one of the top. It was the top by far in Huntersville yesterday. The Democrat turnout in Huntersville in the municipal elections was unprecedented. And you know, give give credit where credit's due in Huntersville. And, and also, I I, th I I know I looked at their marketing and and the 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 candidates' websites were all really good. They did mm -hmm. a really good job of marketing. Um, they uh, were articulate when mm -hmm. we had the candidate forms. <clears throat> we had two forms in Huntersville uh, that was uh, we worked with WSIC and and all of the candidates were very articulate and. Uh, had a breadth of the, the subject matter. So, again, did a great job yeah. and, and got their vote out. Exactly. And unlike sometimes, you know, when you have a bunch of new candidates running, the knowledge on town issues is missing. They had done their homework and, you know, they, you know, may or may not agree with where they stand on the issues, but they, they knew the they knew the town issues. They smartly, in my opinion, used national issues, I think, to motivate a lot of their folks to come out. But they, they knew the local issues. They had that knowledge. You couldn't hold hold that against them. Cornelius, any surprises for you there? Um, you know, I was a little surprised Colin Ferg uh, fell off the board. A little surprised that you had newcomers at the top, um, you know, on the on the town commission. Mayor's race, um, knew it was going to be close. Didn't realize it was going to be quite as close as it was. 13 votes is uh, very, very close. But um, it was, uh, you know, spirited election that you would have hoped. Uh, you know, I think, um, you know, Commissioner Billadu benefited probably from, even though he wasn't on their mailer, somewhat of an alliance with that slate that came into power two years ago. Um, and then they 
all of their candidates won, but won this time. Robert Carney uh, picked up the last spot, finished ahead of uh, Colin Furt. So that was uh, strong. I mean, you had the kind of had Town Hall versus the Peninsula. The other two precincts were basically a 50 50 split on the precinct. Woody won uh, decent margin Town Hall. Uh, Mr. Billadu, same thing at Peninsula, higher turnout at Town Hall. It's kind of what pushed, um, you know, pushed Woody over the top. I will say, I think, um, you know, you know, looking at it, the, it was closer. During, uh, actually, Commissioner Bill did won early voting. And, uh, you know, I think something that has to be pointed out, and I'd be remiss not to say it, is the negative ad he put in Cornelius today and passed out at the polls after he put it in Cornelius today last Thursday may have cost Bill to do the election. I think voters up here rejected the negative politics, the personal attacks there, the untruths that were in that. And that's, you know, you got to run your campaign. That's on him for choosing to do it. But I think when you look at early vote versus election day, that that very well may have cost him an election. Joel, where are you registered? Um, in um, the peninsula. Okay, so you're here in, in Cornelius. Yeah. What were your What was your perspective on last night's results? You know, I um, I mean, compared to what we what we experienced nationally, I, I felt like um, both gentlemen who ran for mayor did a pretty good job of, of being cordial and court- courteous. Um, I didn't see the last um, the advertisement that you mentioned, but. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's nice uh, both in uh, Davidson and Cornelius to have um, that history that's that's part of the mayor's seat. And, um, you know, that continuity is, is, is nice to have and everything else is changing. Rusty, another initiative that was on the ballot that impacted Davidson was certainly uh, the Charlotte Mecklenburg School Bonds, which was passed overwhelmingly, about 66%, I believe was what it was. Right. Um, how important was that? Uh, again, the chamber came out and supported that, but how important was that for your community? Well, and, and I've always been a supporter of school bonds. I mean, I, I, I've heard folks say that, you know, in, in years past, we haven't gotten our share. But it, it, when I look at the bonds holistically and historically, we get our share. I think we got a heavier share this time, and I think that's why it passed. If, if you look at the, the votes up here, uh, I think that our 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 percentages in favor in our precincts are probably higher than than across Mecklenburg County, but I think that's because we're getting the relief in Cornelius, that we're getting the relief in Huntersville, we're getting the relief at North Mecklenburg that that we need. Uh, it, it's not a matter of of disparity. I mean, I think uh, if you look at the last bond from two years ago, they should have asked for a billion dollars and they right. were afraid to. You know, this time they asked for three and they got two point five. That still doesn't get the job done because we're we're we've we've just been dragging this anchor for too long and now we're playing catch up. So uh, I have complete confidence in 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 Crystal Hill as the superintendent. I think she is the right person at the right time for CMS. Uh, she's young. She's vibrant. She's got energy. She's immersed herself in the schools. Um, and and I, I I hope to see good things uh, come out of out of the bond more so than just brick and mortar stuff. You know, Joel. I, even though the the bonds did pass overwhelmingly, I did hear some within the business community saying it's too big of a number. But the the fact of the matter is, the needs are bigger than what you just said. It they're bigger than two point five billion. Yeah, yeah I, I just drove um, up to Durham this morning to go to the North Carolina Business Summit for Public Education and. There was certainly, you know, a lot of um, excitement that that had passed. Um, but, you know, we still suffer from teacher pay being 48th in, in the country and, and our um, spend per student being, I think, 
almost last in the country. So we've got a way to go. This bond will help with the facilities that, um, you know, our kids will be in. Um, but um, we've got a ways to go with being able to pay our teachers and make an investment in really our kids and the next workforce that will um, be educated through the schools that we uh, are supporting. Andy, did it surprise you in Mooresville, the, uh, the, the, the gap in the, in the mayor's race there? Yeah, it, it, it didn't really. I, I thought that Chris Carney ran a, a, just a more spirited, engaged, energetic campaign. Um, you know, probably you know, new Mooresville's outpaced at old Mooresville now. Mayor Knox and I were talking about that earlier. The other thing is simply, you know, we talked about the partisan politics in Huntersville. Mooresville's a ruby-red Republican town. Um, Chris had been a Republican state senator. Bobby chose to, you know, in a nonpartisan race, chose to interject that he had, that he is a Democrat. His choice, I don't think uh, the numbers suggested beforehand or after the results came in last night that that was probably the right move in Mooresville. So wasn't wasn't surprised to see that happen. I think um, I think Mayor Carney has the uh, skill set to hit the ground running up there. Also think that you know there was. You know, there's a growth issue going on there and concern about how current regime had managed some of that. We've seen that in Davidson a few years ago. What's why Mayor Knox is sitting here. We saw it in Cornelius two years ago when they turned the board out. We've seen it in you know, some of the Huntersville elections. I think that that factor plays in too. And you know, if you're going to be involved in politics here, you've got to have your finger on the pulse of what's going on with growth. That is issue number one, two, and three. Wouldn't, yep. wouldn't you agree, Mayor? I, I would. And And, you know, it, growth is 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 such a, a large umbrella because you know when you're talking about growth you're talking about more than just uh, the three hundred thousand people that move to this region every year you're you know you're talking about uh, facilities you're talking about uh, infrastructure you're talking about parks and greenways and sidewalks and bike trails and 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 quality of life issues so growth is 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 many things and many people and and it's not necessarily always the same thing in every community. Uh, you know, Huntersville grows at a different dynamic rate than Davidson does, and Cornelius grows at a different dynamic rate than Mooresville does up here at the North End and South Iredale. So, you know, it's uh, it, it's uh, the, those interests and in, in, in how things turn out. I mean, you you look where we're sitting here in Cornelius. I mean, one of the biggest issues in Cornelius, Cornelius continues to be the widening of Catawba Avenue. Mm-hmm. Right. So... Mayor Knox, uh, you ran unopposed. Uh, you had five people running for for five slots. You did have Jane, who decided not to uh, run again. Um, what does that say when you have uh, no one else running for office in, in the town of Davidson? Well, it, you know, I joke around with people. I say, and the, the reason I run unopposed is because I can't find anybody else that's dumb enough to try to, to, to run, to put these kind of hours in for what you get paid for it. But that's, that's not the truth. It's, uh, you know... Uh, we don't have a lot of contention in town, right? And right. and I think that's that's have we had before? Absolutely. When I got elected in 2017, I unseated a, a, a mayor that had been the mayor for 10 years, and we unseated uh, four of the five sitting commissioners also at that time. So, you know, it, there was there were contentious issues. You know, I I think that you had 17 candidates running for the board in Huntersville. There's issues that got people out there to file. We just don't have that kind of uh, major well, issue now. Mayor, when we come back, I want to talk to Joel uh, about uh, 
what you do with, with, with clean energy and sustainability and also about transportation. So those of you who are with us, please come back on Town Talk on WSIC. Those of you who are streaming with us on all those social platforms, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, which is now X, which I'm still struggling with. I'm trying to, do, do you tweet or do you X or what, what exactly do you do, Joel? <laughs> I think you still tweet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> LinkedIn, YouTube, all the social media. So those of you who are out there still listening to us, I'm going to talk about a few Chamber of Commerce activities. Uh, last time I, I, I talked about uh, one of my JC buddies, but I want to talk about Chamber activities. we got a ribbon cutting. Uh, tomorrow morning, uh, Thursday, November 9th, it's going to be 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock in Huntersville. And then we turn around and we have Brighter Smiles of Davidson having a ribbon cutting Friday morning, but they're going to be in Burtdale Commons Parkway in Huntersville. So it's kind of kind of uh, confusing. Brighter Smiles of Davidson, but they're moving their, their business to Huntersville. And then Thursday, uh, again, tomorrow afternoon, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock, we're having a new member orientation at the Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce. Uh, it's a chance for you to come out and find out if you're already an existing member, you know, how you can get the most out of your membership. Andy, what, what are the benefits? What are the advantages? How can you get the exposure? Uh, if you're not a member of the Chamber of Commerce, it would be a great time to come out and find about, about what are the benefits of joining the Chamber of Commerce. So we've got that going on. Um, Joel, while we're here, you've got another business in, in, in addition to your uh, sustainability and your energy, and that's the, the lamb. And we're coming up uh, uh, with all the things that we're doing at Christmas time. Talk about uh, that particular business that you have. Well, you know, I, I started developing solar farms back in 2009, and my wife um, noticed that there was a lot of vegetation underneath those solar panels. And um, so she suggested, hey, why don't we find local farmers and we can have the sheep eat the grass instead of mowing it. And so, um, you know, we started in 2012 up in Newland um, and uh, we put 12 sheep out and two weeks later, the hunting dogs killed them all. Oh. So we've, we've gone through multiple iterations and we, we found the recipe now where the sheep basically do about 80% of the vegetative maintenance. And then 20% is mowing. And, um, you know, as we grew, we have about 2,000 sheep in the network. Um, the farmers were asking, hey, can you help us find a market for these? And that's how we started Sunraise Foods. So we have these North Carolina lamb raised on the green pastures of solar farms. And uh, no antibiotics. They're animal welfare approved. And uh, one of our, our best uh, channels is actually the Davidson Farmers Market, mm -hmm. as well as the Matthews Farmers Market. Um, but like you said, Christmas time is a great time because we, we got this award-winning lamb salami that won the Good Food Award. And we packaged that in these holiday gift boxes, charcuterie boxes, and uh, send all that out from Cornelius. Um, Rusty, I think you were just recently named the Allen Tate Realtor of the Month for October. Is that right? It is. That's a lot of realtors for Allen Tate. Well, it's um, the stars aligned, and you know, I, I have not devoted a lot of time to selling real estate since I've been mayor, but the stars aligned, and uh, I was able to hit three or four home runs in a row. So it was, uh, it, it was nice to actually see. <laughs> a positive cash flow from my my side of the table for a change. So uh, it's I, I'm still actively selling real estate. I'm not doing any land for development anymore. I just don't want to run into any conflicts of interest. 
but I do list and sell houses, and that's what I do. So, uh, and I, I'm not going to stop doing that. Well, congratulations you. to you. And, and how long have you been with Tate? Uh, well, we sold our office to Tate 12 years ago, but this is my 30th year selling real right. estate here. Right. All right. I think we got about 10 seconds before we go live on the radio. Those of you streaming, thank you for staying with us. And we'll be back on Town Talk Live in just a few seconds. Now, here's your host, Lake Norman Chamber President Bill Russell on 1059 100.7 WSIC. Welcome back to Town Talk. I'm your host, Bill Russell. I have Joel Olson here. He is the CEO of O2 Group Ventures. Andy Yates, co founder of Persuasion Perfected Mayor Rusty Knox, the town of Davidson. While we were streaming just now, we were talking to Joel about uh, sun-raised farms and uh, what you guys are doing. Um, share a little bit about, again, about the business and where is it located? So we, we located our office right behind the uh, Circle K off of um, Catawba Avenue and uh, right across from Lost Worlds Brewing. And uh, so we have kind of, a, it's a holding company with multiple of the companies working in sustainability there. Sunrise Foods is the company that um, sells and markets uh, lamb that's been raised on the pastures of our solar farms. So there's no antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's animal welfare approved. And we we do um, lamb cuts, but the lamb charcuterie is really um, kind of taken off. It's There's, there's almost very, very, no other salami that you can get that's 100% lamb. So we submitted it for the Good Food Award last year, and we won that. And um, we were lucky enough that our state magazine also selected it for the Made NC Food Award last year. And um, so our operations are here in Cornelius, and we have a little pickup store where people can come pick it up. But uh, um, we do events kind of all over the Charlotte regions, um, like farm-to-table dinners that mm-hmm. introduce people to North Carolina lamb. You were one of the first uh, solar energy companies, at least in our area, that I'm aware of. Talk about how you got into solar energy. Well, I was living in Norway for 15 years and uh, trying desperately to get in the solar energy industry in Europe. Um, And I was lucky enough to find a job in Charlotte. So I moved the family back from the Oslo uh, area to uh, Cornelius. My wife wanted to be near the water. And um, so I, I started working for um, a company here that made solar panels, uh-huh. and the Great Recession kind of took them down and forced me to start O2 back in 2009. And uh, I was just lucky enough that North Carolina had passed legislation that opened a small window for the private sector to um, develop, own, and operate solar power plants in North Carolina. Um, and during that real, roughly a 10-year period, we became the second largest state for solar inst- installations in the country. And I, you know, I was proud to be part of the effort to really interpret the regulations, work with legislators, uh, work with government staff and multiple rural areas across the country to open the opportunity to sell this, this clean energy um, to our grid. I, I was looking at your your bio, and you talked about sustainable hospitality. What is that? Well, during the um, the pandemic, you know, everything had shut down, and there was a bed and breakfast for sale in Boone because they couldn't weather the storm. And uh, we had been looking uh, for locations to put a solar farm up near Boone. My son went to App State. 
Um, couldn't find it. And um, a real estate agent called and said, hey, we've got this 11-acre property with a bed and breakfast on it. Are you interested? And um, I went up there. It had a waterfall in the backyard. It was south-facing. Um, so I said, you know, this could be a really neat place to create an off-grid luxury bed and breakfast. Um, it was built in 1875 called the Lovell House Inn and had run off-grid for the first 50 years of its existence anyway. So we basically renovated it from the studs up, put in all sorts of energy efficiency upgrades, put a solar carport and interconnected all the buildings on the property with six Tesla batteries and solar and, and even have the ability to do hydroelectricity from the waterfall behind the, the property to create an experience that, you know, mm-hmm. isn't just speaking to the choir, but, you know, your luxury bed and be- breakfast guests are getting introduced to sustainability in a way that just makes sense. You know, why wouldn't you do this? Joel, I, I really got to know you when you had a ribbon cutting for Sunrise Foods. It was probably four or five years ago, I guess. But right after the ribbon cutting was over with, you said, you have just a few minutes. And you had me, Woody Washam, and you pulled us and a bunch of business leaders into your conference room. And then you showed us a presentation uh, on transit. And, and again, I, I was totally, unpro- I, I didn't know where you were going with it. <laughs> but uh, now we're talking about um, discussions taking a place again with Norfolk Southern. Uh, you want to catch everybody up, uh, Rusty, on what's going on with Norfolk Southern? And then, Joel, I'd like to have your perspective on it because you, you had a great take when we were, were talking. Well, 23 years ago, we put a train in the corridor as a ceremonial kickoff to what was going to be the Lynx Red Line. Mm-hmm. Um, and we invited everybody to the party but Norfolk Southern. And, uh, you know, and that they, was the flex liner tour. Yeah, the flex liner. And they made it very clear from the get-go that there was going to be no passenger uh, rail in this corridor whatsoever. And so for 20-plus years, uh, there's been a little trinkle of this and a little trinkle of that and a spark that just disappears. And, and, and the, the stars kind of finally have aligned with, with changes in leadership and, and changes in mindset now to the point where uh, a little over a year ago, maybe a little longer than that, uh, Charlotte hired a consultant, and they had a nondisclosure that was meeting with Norfolk Southern. Uh, those talks were promising. Uh, they have uh, escalated to Charlotte now has a nondisclosure agreement and is, is in discussions with Norfolk Southern right now. And... And there is uh, a letter that was sent by Norfolk Southern several months ago to the city of Charlotte outlining the potential for uh, a sale or shared use or lease of the O-Line corridor, which is the the line from Mooresville to Charlotte, where uh, if we were going to do any product on a rail platform, that's the corridor. I mean, it doesn't make sense to look at another corridor if you're going to do something uh, in, in, in a rail capacity, that quarter bisects Mooresville, uh, Davidson, Cornelius, and Huntersville, and uh, we've all studied transit-oriented development around that quarter for years, and so, um, you know, those talks are probably further along than they've been in 23 years. I, I've got to assume you're a huge proponent of moving forward I, with this? I am. I am. I, I have uh, jokingly said that my goal is to get on a train in Davidson 
and ride down to Charlotte and eat lunch at Food of Buddha, uh, which I've never gotten any kickbacks or, or blessings from the people that own Food of Buddha, but I always say I want to go to eat Food of Buddha at the Bland Street Station and then get on the train and ride back home. And, uh, you know, I, and it's more than that. I mean, you know, I, I drive to Charlotte several times each week, and, and I pay exorbitant tolls right. to, to drive because I'm not going to sit in the parking lot. And that's what the general purpose lanes have turned into. And and to have an alternate that would get us to and fro our jobs, entertainment, uh, shopping. Uh, you know, we've got folks from around the world that come to visit their students at Davidson College or come to look at the college for as prospective students. And they fly to Charlotte Douglas, which is the sixth busiest airport in the world, and they got to rent a car. Joel, we got about three minutes before we got to go to another break. But uh, again, I sat down with you, and you opened my eyes to a whole concept that I never heard about, the boring concept and what was going on. Explain your perspective on that whole transit. Well, traditional transit is basically, you know, if it's not a bus or it's not a train, it's not considered transit. And uh, the Boring Company has kind of restructured things from the ground up, thinking about it a little bit differently. If we look over the last 20 years, less than 22 miles of tunnels have been built for subways. Um, Over the last two years, you know, 20% of those miles have been put in Las Vegas for a new solution called the Loop System. This is a, a much smaller boring tunnel that um, electric shuttles or electric vehicles are driven in, and these are not private vehicles. These are fleet vehicles that are operated and owned either by a, a third party or a city itself. And what's very interesting about this is um, it can be done quite quickly. There's no surface disruptions for traffic. There's no replacement of historic homes needed. You get the same economic development that a light rail would give you because you have the stations that are above ground, although you can can do a below ground stations as well, but um, it's at a fraction of the cost. So to give you an example, the, the, the first commercially available loop system is in Las Vegas under the world's largest convention center. It turns a 45-minute walk into a minute-and-a-half shuttle from one end of the convention center to another. Their cost per mile has been $18 million, including stations, including the tunnels. The average cost for a subway now is talking—you're talking upwards of $500 million. Light rails are close to $500 million a mile, so this is a just— groundbreaking, less expensive, and kind of sexy solution. When we come back, I want to continue talking about this. Uh, Please come back and join us on Town Talk WSIC. Town Talk with Lake Norman Chamber President Bill Russell. Those of you streaming with us, uh, thank you for staying with us. Again, Rusty, you can see where I, I was just mesmerized. Uh, Joel took me in there, and he, he showed me this this whole transit program where, um, at, at the time you showed it to me, we I think you said we could pretty much do this for the amount of money or less than what uh, Katz was looking at trying to do this, this uh, red line for. It is. And, you know, I think with transit, Look Look at what we've done with our space program. In 2013, we switched from paying for someone to develop a rocket 
to paying for pounds per orbit delivered. Um, very similar to the solar industry. I'm not paid to build a solar farm. I'm only paid for the energy that I successfully generate. Uh-huh. If I don't generate electricity, I don't, I, I don't get paid. So with transit, instead of saying, well, let's have governments pay for the development of something and you get halfway there, you've got to pay twice as much, you turn it around and you say, well, we will pay you per passenger um, that has traveled, per passenger mile, or you figure another metric that's based on success rather than just the cost of development. Uh, it, it fascinating stuff. Um, I, I guess we can all agree, though, we have to have alternatives to just being on I-77. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that alternative should be faster than <laughs> driving. Yeah. Yes. Safer and more convenient. That is the recipe. No question. For those who are streaming with us, to remind you a couple more Chamber of Commerce events. We have a nonprofit roundtable November 15th, 9 o'clock to 1030. It's going to be at Welcome Home Veterans. Uh, Rusty, that's an opportunity where we get all of our uh, Lake Norman Chamber, non- uh, Lake Norman regional nonprofits together, whether they're part of the chamber or not, but a chance to go around the room and talk about who we are and what we do that we're not usurping each other. Focus Friday, November 17th, 830. We've got Senator Ted Budd. Uh, so that should be a, a, a really great discussion. Looking forward to that. And then our wins program on November 14th, 8 o'clock at Brick Road. Stacy Bright and Sarah Bates are talking uh, about uh, World Diabetes Day, which is coming up. Um, Joel, again, fascinating subject that uh, uh, that you had me on. And, and again, I've just been a fan ever since of, of, of what Elon Musk and, and uh, the boring uh, company is doing and hope we find some alternative to the transportation on I-77 because it can't bear all of our transportation needs. I agree. I agree. Um, again, a lot of Chamber of Commerce activities. Uh, uh, stay with us uh, here on Town Talk, and we're going to get back in just a second and talking to Joel about some of the things that they're doing. With Lake Norman Chamber President Bill Russell on the new 1059 100.7 WSIC. Welcome back to Town Talk. Uh, I'm Bill Russell, your host. I have Joel Olson, CEO of O2. We have Andy Yates, co-founder of Persuasion Perfected, Mayor Rusty Knox of Town Davidson. And I believe we have on the line the new mayor for the town of Huntersville, elected last night, Christy Clark. Welcome, Christy, and congratulations. Well, thank you so much, and good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Congratulations, Christy. Yes, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I, I guess you have to be terribly excited now, now that that's over with and you can start planning uh, getting to work and, uh, and and putting forward your vision. Yeah, yeah, we are all very excited. Um, we have this amazing team um, that have been together for several months now working on elections, and now we're ready to get to work on the town. And um, we all got our, you know, call from the town manager today, and he was, you know, asking for things like, what's your best email address and best phone number? And we're like, when do we start? (laughs) So we're all ready to go. Christy, I don't know if you were able to listen in on some of the stuff we were just talking about. We were just talking about Norfolk Southern and the recent Mm -hmm. discussion of of the red line again. Do you have an opinion on uh, commuter rail or transit to Lake Norman via uh, the red line? Yeah, you know, um, I was listening, and I, you know, I 100% agree. We've got to get people off of the highway and off of the roads, and find a better and safer way for them to get from point A to point B. I think that's a critical aspect for 
success in North Mecklenburg and bringing business up here is making it, you know, easier to get around. And, and I, and I love the idea of faster too, as, uh, as Joel said. Um, so, you know, I, we've all been waiting for this red line to come around for several years and we, you know, it's, um, I keep saying, I'm not going to hold my breath for it, but, uh, the closer we get to it and the more, um, serious folks are getting about it. It makes me excited. Mayor, we're coming up on Veterans Day. Uh, Christy, what kind of plans do you have for Veterans Day? Uh, you're going to be at the uh, some of the fun- functions in Huntersville? Well, you know, the town of Huntersville has an amazing Veterans Day parade um, that's coming up. I will actually be um, celebrating with my family up in Virginia, um, celebrating not just Veterans Day, but um, yesterday's success. So um, we'll, we'll be doing that up in um, Virginia. Well, Mayor Leck Clark, we uh, look forward to working with you, and congratulations again on your victory. It, it, you worked hard, and you got it done, and we're, lo- we're looking forward to working with you. Thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to working with you, too. I think we can do some really great things for Huntersville and North Mech, and I'm excited to get to work on it. Have a great weekend. You Joel, too. Take care. Joel, before we went to break, you were you continuing to talk about some of the things. You, you had another point you wanted to make about... Uh, I, I do. I, you know, I think, you know, all of us, um, you know, Rusty had mentioned that, that, you know, we've got the sixth largest airport in the country here. Um, we have 50 million passengers that go through the Charlotte area every year. Um, but yet the airport is, is kind of on an island. Um, if you don't drive there, um, you really can't get there. The, the benefits um, of linking our airport um, to the rest of the region, to the transit lines that exist, the blue line, the upcoming silver line, the gold line, the red line, I think it is, is amazing. And I think there's an opportunity to do this with this new loop system. Mm-hmm. And this could be done relatively quickly for a low cost. And again, changing the paradigm of the way a public works project could be done. You know, I, I, I look at it and I call it the Charlotte Airport Region Loop that would link the airport to the Charlotte Gateway Station as a pilot project for the red line. This pilot project would only be 5.7 miles long, um, but it, it could achieve the goal of being faster than driving. It could be safer, um, and it would really be a paradigm shift for the city itself. But it could also be a pilot project for the red line. And when it's successfully completed, the red line could extend then up the uh, Norfolk Southern line or really any public right-of-way, underneath any public right-of-way, um, up to North Mecklenburg and, and link our part of the county to the airport in a way that, you know, you think about it, we've got Reynolds and Huntersburg, Huntersville, Southwire, Ingersoll Rand and Davidson. Lowe's and Mount Moon. Lowe's. Yeah. I mean, these are thousands of employees. Right that are using the airport on a daily basis. Customers coming in, I mean, this could be just a, a generational shift for companies that want to locate their headquarters in an area with very good transportation and fast transportation from our, you know, fantastic airport. So figuring out a way to link our airport, which is an island today, to the rest of this area, I think is a critical objective. Mayor, now that these discussions are ongoing with Norfolk Southern, we're moving in a, in that direction. We we've absolutely got get it, Joel involved in, in those discussions as well, because again, uh, a perspective that eye opening to me. Well, it was to me too. I mean, I when I first met with Joel, I guess about three years ago, maybe, uh, and I went home and did the deep dive on the Boring Company, and that 
that information and those videos are readily available for anybody that's listening to to go and 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 look at and and do your own exploration on it because it's it's proven successful in Las Vegas. I, I know there are many other markets that they're looking at right now, uh, but I think it would provide a, a, a tangible link between uh, uh, what will be the new transit hub in Charlotte and, and like you said, potentially the airport. Yeah. Uh, Joel, back back to your solar business. Any any local solar farms you have in our region? You know, we have three in Rowan County uh, near Salisbury. Um, we have one project in Bear Poplar, um, not too far from the uh, the soccer fields up there near Mooresville. It's about 10, 10 minutes away. Um, that that you know, long term, we're looking at a um, a sustainable potential development that would. Um, create an off-grid community. But the type of solar that we had done for the past 10 years, the, the opportunity to interconnect to the public grid has been severely restricted. Um, so the type of projects we're looking at now are, are more what are called microgrids. So like the Level House Inn up in Boone, you generate your own power, you store your own power, and you use your own power. And we're seeing municipalities with wastewater treatment plants. We're seeing... Um, you know, commercial users that are, that are looking to incorporate the resilience of their own power generation um, for their operations um, and possibly saving money as well long-term with their energy costs. And we're moving into the Christmas season. We touched on, touched on, on sun-raised uh, um, foods. If somebody was looking at uh, getting some of the charcuterie boards and such, where would they go? Website? Yeah, the website sunraysfoods.com. But, you know, here in Cornelius, we've got so many customers from Huntersville, Cornelius, Davidson that just stop in right, right across from Lost Worlds. And, you know, we try to really focus on North Carolina. So, you know, our lamb are raised here, but all the products that we pair in our charcuterie boxes are, you know, award-winning products from North Carolina. Um, and that's that's kind of... I, I've I've been blessed to, to be raised here and and work here, so we we really like to highlight these other producers. Andy, we haven't even wrapped the election on 2023. We're still ca- uh, counting ballots, but the next election has already started. It what has. what are we looking for? Well, you've got a primary in North Carolina in less than three months. Yeah. By Tuesday, March 5th, you have presidential primary governor, all your down ballot statewide, your state ledge race. We have a new House member for House District 98, Representative Bradford running for uh, state treasurer. So you're going to have the ability to pick nominees on the Republican Democrat side there. Obviously, everybody's talking about the presidential race tonight. I think there's a debate in in Miami. I know uh, that will be riveting like the last couple were. (laughs) Uh, uh, You know, so it's a, you know, the election cycle, election news is not going to go away. They start voting in Iowa. I think it's January 15th they have the Iowa caucuses. So it's it's right here. I mean, you know, it, it's nonstop elections from now until next November. Um, whether you want to talk about it or pay attention to it or not, it's going to be in your face. And, and explain to people what you do with Persuasion Perfected. Sure. So we have uh, two companies. One is RepublicanAds.com. The other is uh, Public Affairs Partners.com. We're focused on digital uh, one-to-one targeted, what's called programmatic digital advertising, as well as geo-targeted, either in the political space 
or in the public affairs space where kind of business and politics meet and trying to influence either people to vote for a particular candidate or to go vote or to vote yes or no on a referendum. We had a parks referendum, for example, in another part of the world uh, yesterday that we did or on the um, public affairs side, mobilizing people to support certain issues, take action on certain things. And it's all about reaching, you know, the message is the message. The message may work across different mediums, but it's all about reaching people where they're at, which is online. People are, their mobile devices, their cell phone, their uh, computers, streaming on TV. We have access to all that inventory and on a one-to-one basis. So all four of us could be on our phones right now based on what we know about each of the four of us. We could all see four different ads, even if we were on the same site, which is pretty darn cool. And, Mayor, we got a couple of minutes left, uh, veterans activities in Davidson this weekend. Yeah, so on Friday, which is 11-11-11, 11-11 at 11 a.m., we will have our uh, Veterans Day ceremony in front of the old uh, town hall at 216 uh, South Main Street, uh, out front like we've always had. We're going to have the Huff Band there. We've got a a special speaker who's a retired, uh, I think, Lieutenant Colonel. Uh, This is always a very festive event that we do every year. Uh, and and I think before we get away, Bill, I want to make sure to mention the the uh, the end of this month, November thirtieth, first and second is Christmas in Davidson, and then on the second is the North Mecklenburg Holiday Parade as well. How many people did we have Christmas in Davidson last year? About thirty five thousand. Thirty five thousand people. So uh, that's that's a really unique event to put that many people in downtown Davidson uh, in three nights. And information on the town's website at. Uh, TownDavidson.org. TownDavidson.org. Next week, uh, Joel, we have the plant manager for Duke Energy, McGuire Nuclear Station. He's going to be here next Thursday. And the Lake Norman Kiwanis, Andy and I are both in Kiwanis, and and, uh, we're going to have them here. If it's Wednesday afternoon, we're talking about our towns on Town Talk on WSIC. We will see you next week. Thank Thank you. you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. The new 105.9, 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, W290DK, Mooresville, Lake Norman, North Charlotte.